I think balance is a myth when you do what you love. Because my life, I don't look at it as work and life. My life is. I'm Kelly Hoey, host of Broadmic. I speak with the most accomplished entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders about the issues that matter in building a business. You will get the inspiration as well as the picks and shovels you need to become a better entrepreneur. Be inspired, take action, think broad. We can take some questions. All right, so you know what I want? So I'm, okay, here's. Should I get Okay, I got to say one, two, three, four, five, and then we'll go from there. So let's. You had. You, ning, hand was up. Okay. Hi, I really love the presentation. Thank you so much. Um, you said that when you first started your website, you weren't taking sponsorships. And then at a certain point, you realized, okay, like the timing is right, and we're going to take on people that want to sponsor us. How did you know that that was the right moment? So the question would be, when was the right moment with your blog mm-hmm. to turn it into a business and passive income? Well, I have a good story there. So when I started my uh, own design studio and the freelancing from home, I worked from home first. And then I realized, well, that's not going to work um, with the nanny and the baby in the same apartment. And, uh, and then I realized I need to go rent a desk. But anyone that has hired, had a baby and hired a nanny and gone in on their own, like finances were on my, you know, my, in my mind. And I was like, I'm not sure if I can, on top of the nanny, also justify renting a desk. So I looked at all these desks in Dumbo, and this is not, this is not, I mean, I believe sometimes the universe just sends you a signal that, you know, you need to do this. And this was one of these moments. I looked at three desks, and I was like, can I justify $500 extra expense? And I went to have a coffee at Starbucks, and I sit there, and I check my mail, and there's an email from Jim Kudal, who runs the Deck Network, which is like a very prestigious advertising network. And he sent me an email, and this was still early on with my blog, and says, Tina, we would love to take you in, and I can offer you $500 to be part of the deck. And I was like, hallelujah, there's my desk, right? And, I, and that was kind of a no-brainer. It was like, A, he's respected, and B, I need the $500 to pay for this desk. So that's how it worked. But, so that was like the universe saying, it's okay. And then from there, I just added more, just in a very tasteful way. It was really important to me that I don't look like I have banners all over my... So I, it's all about respecting uh, the visitor. But, but also, too, when you started your blog, it was just you wanted to start a blog as opposed to, hey, this is going to be a business, and I can do this and have some advertisements yeah. and do whatever. You were just like, here's information I want to put out there, and by I the really way, we like, all love it. Yeah, I just like to share. But, uh, I mean, if you run a blog and you have a cool company that approaches you and you are so proud to have them on your site, and you think it's relevant to your audience, then why not? I just feel like the minute you put ads up that are noise or don't go with your value system, then you're selling out and then you're hurting yourself. That's my, that's my approach. I was gonna say that the values is a big thing. Have you turned people down? Huh? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of I'm also so empathetic, so I have a really hard time telling them, like, like I'm sorry, but I really don't want you to add on my site. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a really clear filter, so now I'm like, if it doesn't fit, like, and someone asked me that once, they said, is there any company you wouldn't work with? And I think they were expecting me to say, I don't know, 
whatever, fill in the blank, cars oh, yeah, or automotive or, or hardware. And I'm like, you know, it's really easy. Are they sexist, racist, homophobic? Uh, they, you know, I don't care mm -hmm. what they're producing. They don't you know, fall in one of those categories. It's not happening. See, but at the same time, I, I need to let them down gently because at the end of the day, we're all humans on the other end. How have you not become so crusty after being in New York all these years? I used to be nice and foreign too. <laughs> Maybe I need to move to Brooklyn and kind of soften the edge. I don't know. I'm a softie. <laughs> okay, next question. I know I had my first five. Okay. Okay, so the, the question was, what's your idea of a different model for sponsorship and how do you structure those so people don't feel like they've mm -hmm. got sales in their face? I must say, when I started out the global partnerships, I had aspirations that were just through the roof. And then reality hit a bit, because the problem is that most companies that will these, do these big global partnerships, they're just used to something and they want that. So I had to give in a tiny bit, so we're, we're doing a few things that are more classical, you know, like there's the logo on every, uh, uh, if you get a confirmation email and stuff like that, whatever, I get it. But what I'm trying to do, and luckily I've worked with companies like MailChimp that really, really gets it. Um, they, for example, just want to support the creative community. And when we pitch them, uh, we do campaigns for our global partners. And my goal is that the campaign we're doing is making Creative Mornings and the community better, and at the same time, elevating the, the, the brand that's paying for it, right? So MailChimp is the classical example that just says yes to everything. Like they have, we have made um, uh, projects with them that were good for, for, the, for the community. And, or for example, Shutterstock is a great example as well, that we convinced them like, hey, why don't we do portraits? Why wouldn't we hire photographers at Creative Mornings that set up like a real photo studio, take photos of the people that attend, professional headshots, and then we give them to them for free. Uh, and it's brought to you by Shutterstock. How cool is that? That's giving to the community, it's highlighting photographers that we then push online and, and, you know, and shine the light on them. And it's making Shutterstock look really good and people love it. So this is the second time we, that we've done this. So we're really trying to come up with things that are just generous in nature and make the community better. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Love it. Next. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for being here and like, sharing all your knowledge and experience. Uh, you mentioned in the beginning that uh, a lot of people are miserable at work and doing like labors of love is really important. So my question is, how do you work with kind of like building the culture and working on that culture that in your company? So how do you build a good culture? What's your, what's your advice and tips so that you don't end up with those situations that, you know, I want to say people really being unhappy with work? That question always puzzles me because in the end of the day, all you have to do is just be human, right? I feel like, and there's, there's a lot of people that believe in this like I do, like Simon Sinek and, and, and a lot of, and Charlie Kim from Next Jump. They believe that the impact I can have as an entrepreneur in society is by creating a really healthy work environment where people feel appreciated, they feel safe, they feel valued, they feel like they can bring input. They, they, because then 
and Simon Sinek talked about this in, in one of his TED Talks, is when you feel appreciated and valued and safe in your work environment and you're happy, then you go home and you're a better dad, you're a better spouse, you're just a better member of this community, right? And I feel like everybody that runs a company has, has the responsibility to create a really healthy work environment in order to impact society. And to me, it's like all it comes down to is just to be human, right? And because the thing is, when you as a boss are really kind and come from a place of where you really care about people, that will then impact how your team respects each other as well, right? Like we, like cattiness and like backstabbing just doesn't happen in my teams because nobody will allow it. It comes from me and, and then it just sets the tone. And if some, somebody like this damages my comp, um, the environment, then we're gonna let that person go. Right, so I feel like it, it probably starts at the top, or I don't know how you can, in, I don't know how you can fix a work environment if, if the leadership is not working. But you can probably start within your own department if you work in a big company, and just sort of set the tone. You know, like kindness and generosity is really contagious. Really believe in that. Well, I would say, in the go back to your Yay Internet site. I mean, this is one of the good things about the internet. You pretty much can find out about any company and anyone, right? And if you can't, then you know something's really up. But you know, in terms of being able to unpack the culture, and I'm always surprised when people do, particularly job interviews with big companies. You know, they haven't like kind of looked into that, and they ask the questions of things that you could find on the website, like. You know, what's your HR policy? How much vacation days? Well, who cares about those questions? You can find that information. Like, what's the culture? Can I be successful mm -hmm. within this culture? Mm -hmm. Or I almost feel like it's a certain type of personality I go for besides the side project. So when I interview someone, I usually go for a walk with them. And I pay attention to do they hold the doors for me, for someone else? If, if I, go, I go and get coffee with them. Do they let me go first? Are they courteous? Do they maybe hand me the milk after? It's like little things. And I remember there was this one guy that I went for coffee with. And we were talking, we were in the middle of the conversation, yet he noticed this piece of paper that was right next to the garbage can in the coffee shop. And as he's talking to me, he's picking it up. And it's not his. And he put it in and was like, yes, he's hired. I always knew he's like, <laughs> but, but that's the type of person I want to work with. It's this rule that somebody told me that his dad always told him. I forget, I need to find out who told me. This was last week. And I feel, find this so beautiful. Apparently, his dad always said, always leave a room better than you found it. So if you go to the bathroom, wipe the sink maybe if it's not that nice, or pick up that piece of paper. Now imagine if we all, as a society, did that and applied this to everyday life. There'd be a lot of garbage collectors out of a job. <laughs> no, yes. teasing on that. No, you're absolutely no. right. Leave, leave things better than, than you found them. Absolutely. Whether it's the planet, whether it's a room. Whether it's a company. And it, applies to, it applies to company culture. You right, know? right. In terms of who you add to it and what you do with the job and what your legacy is. That's, could you, if you would, find out. I will. I have to. <laughs> Put it on your blog and let's crash the blog when that all gets posted. Okay. So that's right. That was like that and that. Yeah, okay. So my husband will walk miles with garbage in his pocket if there's no trash can. <laughs> 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 and uh, feminist husband, and um, kind of picking up on, on some of the questions that others have asked, I want to find out more about the chief happiness officer. And my second question is for a friend who is new to America and is looking for an entrepreneur mentor. Mm -hmm. So some resources for her. Okay, so the first question is, talk, talk to us about chief happiness officer. Uh, did you see that on Creative Mornings? 
Yeah, so uh, Sally is our chief happiness officer. Uh, she is in charge of community. She uh, is in touch together with Lisa. She uh, talks to all the volunteers around the world, uh, the hosts that run Creative Mornings. And she just has to make sure uh, they have all they need and they're happy. So that's a title she gave herself, chief happiness officer, and I just love it. Keep, keep everyone like, yeah, yes, people are happy, they're productive. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're here at, um, so the second question was, you know, resources to and places to find an entrepreneur mentor. Well, we're sitting here in a co-working space and LMHQ and they have these women's events. I don't know if your friend's man or a woman, but a woman. So, you know, hey, there's here's here's one resource right here um, in terms of coming here and meeting people. And, you know, one Isn't of the, the Labo League also kind of in that. In yeah. That and then I want to say and then Labo has uh, Labo.com has an online uh, online mentoring and a mentoring Q&A, which I think is an interesting model because a lot of the times, you know, people don't have time, but you have time to answer a specific question. We've got creative mornings in terms of places to find amazing people who could mentor you on, on you know, all sorts of things. Anywhere else I want to say that comes to mind for you? Well, I definitely think uh, joining a co-working space where you think the people in it. So the, the one I run out of Burham Hill, Brooklyn, um, called Friends, uh, is definitely, or just starting it nine years ago when it was the first iteration was called Studio Mates in Dumbo has changed everything because I was surrounded by entrepreneurial driven creative types and I would have never started my own companies I think if it wasn't for Cameron that sat next to me that always said Tina stop having clients stop having clients stop having clients right you should really run your own company and <laughs> and you're like I need a paycheck I need money what, I've got kids what are you talking about Cameron yeah yeah no but it's, it's really it's impactful when you're surrounded by very smart and driven people that set the bar really high for their own work and and just tell your friend to find that space. I don't know where, if it's this one or some somewhere else, do some research on who is in those spaces because these these moments over lunch when you just sit down and you can ask a question or you can just turn around and say like, hey, can you help me on this one? Do you have some input? That's when really it's so easy when you're surrounded by these people on a daily basis and they can, you can just turn around and talk to them. Yeah, and I think some um, co-working spaces, membership-based co-working spaces will allow you to you know, have a, a free, like a trial day or um, you know, they may have a day rate where you could go and part of it is like But then don't observe. talk to everyone like a ma maniac that day. No, <laughs> yes, no, no. It's not working. We've no, had no. that happen. No, no. <laughs> no you, you want to sit and observe. What's the interaction? Yeah. How do people interact and, and you know, because it's, you know, you can find the information on, you know, what a monthly rate is and who the types of members are, but how do they actually interact and collide and engage and, and what does that mean in terms of being able to meet people? And I think, you know, and, you know, shout out again to LMHQ is, is, woo -woo, um, is you know, doing events like this, right? So, you know, giving the chance to, to uh, meet other people, meet other people in the community, people who work here and, and bringing members together. Because I think a lot of the times we do want, you, know, you were empowered, you know, put money aside. You were also empowered to go to conferences as, you know, a creative person. You know, other people use, often use money as a hurdle mm -hmm. versus, you know, I could do this too, right? Mm -hmm. I could go and volunteer. You know, I could go and somehow I could be part of this. I think a lot of people just want to be invited. And, and, and so finding those conveners to, to make that happen. There we go, in the black. Hi, um, so I really am moved by, um, I can see the values that you hold um, very dear to your heart. Um, when you were speaking about, you know, everything you've done really has begun as a labor of love. Um, and then how you really respect people that are in community and are guardians of community. Mm -hmm. You know, like a guy that's taking care of, you know, if there's something that needs to be picked up. 
um, and the kind of people that you hire. So I guess, oh, and then the artist um, on the scarf that you're wearing, um, she strikes me as a, a strong social entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, uh, in regards to social entrepreneurship, do you see yourself as one? Um, and how do you, what's your relationship with social entrepreneurship? Can you define your def definition of social social entrepreneurship? So, so, the, so, question about social entrepreneurship. So, what's your definition? How are you defining, or how do you think? How do you think of social? No, I want to hear from oh, her first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for me, it's uh, it's definitely um, hybrid, right? So, there's a business that's producing um, a product or intelligence, uh, but then also it's uh, part of the proceeds or the way in which this product is developed. Is going back to the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, and, and it's about improving quality of life. Right? It's so funny. It's a label I never use, but I kind of do it. Um, so, creating mornings, for example. I mean, all the events are free. So, I mean, that's social entrepreneurship on its own level in some way. That we are. We just created a safe space around the world for people to meet and you know and uh, and create opportunity around the world. So, um, but with Tatley, for example, I. I really believe that, again, this goes back into by create. I can cre I can really have an impact on this world by running the business, not just always caring only about the bottom line, right? That comes with the people part, and uh, creating a really healthy, healthy and great work environment. But at the same time, for example, Tatley, I've I've actually made it really hard for myself because I say whatever I can, I will produce in America. Will not let go of that. If I don't start. If we don't start bringing production back to America, nothing will ever change. There's so many people that don't have jobs here, right? I, uh, Woo! Thank you. I, uh, I, for example, will package and ship everything uh, out of Burham Hill, Brooklyn, which is insane, but uh, there is not enough low-income jobs in New York. Like when I had, like, it, it hit me at one point when we had a rush job, um, to collate like I don't know five thousand sets, and we made it um, a, a posting on on Craigslist and said, "Hey, we need twelve people for eight days uh, for eight hours to collate twelve thousand uh, five thousand sets or something. Uh, we'll pay you twelve hours twelve dollars an hour, which is above minimal wage, and go apply." Oh my God! An hour in, I had to turn off this Craigslist ad, and the cross section of people that ended up sitting around this table really moved me. It was from the PhD people that, you know, very smart people that came from another country and ended up here and couldn't find work to like young students that just, or 17 year olds that just needed work. I mean, it was, it really blew my mind. I was like, we got to keep this here because we were outsourcing it uh, to upstate. You know, it's like, no, 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 there's not enough of these jobs in New York City. People are struggling to get by. So let's, so there's things like that. Or the high commission I pay for every tatley that is sold to the artist because I believe in passive income. My blog was my passive income, has opened me up to do other things. So now I can do the same things for the artist. Stuff like that. So I don't know if you consider this some social entrepreneurship as well, but I just feel like there's, there's, I could wake, make wherever my, way more money and make my life so much easier if I just produced everything in China. But I will not. I just wonder sometimes when we say social entrepreneurship, if in any way we diminish what the entrepreneur is doing. Because we, as soon as we add that social piece on it, whether we, like I said, we sort of put it in this other category. You're an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, I don't like the label. I think we should all run our business with, and the business should make the world better in some way. End of story. There shouldn't be a business that is not doing that. Right. Uh, and so I recently interviewed, um, it's actually, and it's on Inc., um, uh, two interviews with um, uh, founder of the company um, and CEO of the company, Lisa, the mattress company, and he, they're going to be a certified B Corp. Uh, mm-hmm. That is happening. Uh, but one of his things was, you know, yeah, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur and I, and I want to have this social impact for every 10 mattresses they sell. They, they donate one and they've completely refitted the beds at the Bowery Mission and they work with homeless um, organize, you know, organizations that help um, combat homelessness. Um, but he said, first and foremost, you know, to be a really impactful entrepreneur on a so- with respect to a social issue, he said, I gotta have a damn good product. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that, when I hear pitches from entrepreneurs, it gets lost. They, they're like, hey, we're this, but, and then they go off on what they're doing in the community. It's like, no, no, do you have a really good product or a really good service that people want? Because mm-hmm. then if you've got that, you know, you can change the world because people know, want it. I always think of MailChimp as, um, they have, I look at them sort of as a weird kind of angel investor in the creative world. MailChimp, and I've got to meet uh, the co-founder, Ben Chestnut, who's an amazing person, and Mark, who runs um, marketing, and they're such good people. And they basically, I remember when first uh, I started working with MailChimp on several levels, Tatley and Creative Mornings, and I would pitch Mark, the marketing guy, like, Mark, what do you think? Can you support this? And he would just sit there and go like, yep. Mm-hmm. And sometimes these were big budgets, and I was like, you don't need to go to Ben? And like, he goes, no. Mm-mm. And then I found out that Ben basically just told him, here's a budget, and it's a big one, guys. Whatever you think is good, like whoever you think is, does, is doing something good in the creative world, go support it. And they're supporting the weirdest stuff, like, <laughs> like really weird, you know, like, like it's, it's just amazing. I look at them as like an angel investor of the creative world. And I see them pop up everywhere and they never ask for much, like never. Like they don't even ask to put your logo on there. They're so under the radar. And they say, we just want to make the creative world a better world. You know, I mean, how cool is that? That to me is, is in some weird way, social entrepreneurship as well, right? They're empowering the creative world. They're allowing people to start magazines or like Tatley, to be honest, when I started it and I invested money to have the site built and, and I, I designed the site myself, whatever, but then I kind of ran out of money and I was like, man, I don't have the $5,000 to run the, the print run for the tattoos. And then Rusty was helping me, says, you know what? what if we send out a bonus tatley with every order? Granted, we haven't even launched yet, guys. It didn't exist yet. Oops. You didn't, you didn't, I want to say, you, here you, you, the bonus tatley for the, was, was the bonus tatley in your, um, your wholesale catalog? Uh, no. <laughs> is this gone? I think it's oh, gone. Might have, might have gone here. On? Uh, maybe I muted it? What did I do? Uh, uh, anyway, so Rusty said, what if we pitched MailChimp I know I got a that we would send a, a bonus tatley with every order, a custom tatley, and we just asked for $5,000, which is what I needed to do the print run. And I pitched it to Mark, I held my breath, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I had nothing to prove for. He just believed in me, he believed in maybe this is fun, right? And thank God they're cute, their logo's a cute monkey. Yeah, it was cute. He made a custom monkey tatly with a monkey wearing rollers, like, you know, to curl your hair, curlers. I mean, how great is that? I mean, I'm forever grateful for MailChimp to helping me kick this off. We, and you know, as a company that's so generous and has such a sense of humor, mm-hmm. like that hap- help, helps as well. I know, so. We had a question here, and then we had a question there. And then I'll, yeah, okay, then 
And I, and I okay, and we'll do this. I'll sag back that way. All right, Ruth in the second row. Hi, thank you for being here this morning. It was a great event. Um, my question is kind of for both of you. Um, yeah, I just you turned 30 last week, and I kind of see it as sort of a milestone in your life. So I'm just wondering it what gets better. you would have for women in their 30s. <laughs> like any kind of wisdom to share? So question is on, um, I want to say the wisdom and advice uh, on turning 30. So I turned 50 last year. So here, here's, I'm gonna, here's how I'm going to give my advice. It's sort of like how I have seen my life progress. I think in your 20s, you want to feel like you know it all. And, and I think there's sort of like you feel this urgency. And, and I want to say, uh, urgency in this feel of like you have to have accomplished things and know things and you hit 30 and you're like yes so what I didn't learn it all right and you get to 40 and you're like really don't fucking care that I didn't know it all <laughs> right and then you hit 50 and let me tell you the profanity is get more no you just it's like whatever I'm gonna try it now like what's the you do I think in terms of turning 50 what's the worst that can happen right I know what the worst that can happen I you know um, I can go back to practicing law Right, <laughs> um, and so I think I hate to say it, you're really entering the fun part, and there is a confidence from experience, um, in front from knowing yourself, and knowing that you have like Tina and I talked about this before. When you know you have great friends and great community, nothing can really knock you off your game, right? And you're like, you know, kind of bring it on. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I can go and grab a glass of wine and cry with my girlfriends. Like it's, it's um, I think you're li more likely to have more fun and be more successful because there's a confidence comes with that as opposed to shrouding it in this expectations and these sort of inner demons and uncertainties that you have in your 20s. So happy birth, belated happy birthday and enjoy. <laughs> Do I need to add to that? Well, all right. Uh, well, you all spring chicken in your 40s. You, what, how are you feeling about it? I love my 40s. I actually threw myself a prom because I never had a prom. So I did an, a prom all in 1992. And we all had crimped hair and big dresses. Anyway, um, awesome. Embracing the 40s. But all I have to say is, and I wish somebody would have told me that when I turned 30, is I didn't, for some weird reason, I thought I am changing the mo most and growing the most as a grown up between 20 and 30. And for some weird reason, I thought between 30 and 40, I kind of know who I am. That was not the case. I feel like I've grown more than ever between 30 and 40. So brace yourself that you might not be the person when you end up at the other side when you start 40 than you are right now. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Can you find balance as a mom entrepreneur? Or are you just surfing, managing the waves? I don't know, maybe. See, I believe in, I, I think balance is a myth when you do what you love. Because my life, I don't look at it as work and life. My life is, and that is with my kids and that is with my work. And I think that's like, when you are so into what you're doing, if that is your thing, and your kids are in bed and you start doing it again, that to me is not going back to work, that is going back to my life. So I think maybe that's, I was very blessed. It sounds cheesy, guys, I'm sorry if it does, but um, that, I think that's the difference between having to go back to work when you don't want it. I mean, I, I never had a hard time putting in way more hours, even with little kids. 
uh, and juggling it all because it was just what I do. Does that help? Does that help? And it's so cool. Your kids are so. They're, they're, I want to say they're so inspired by you and they're so proud that they are also part of it. You know? Maybe that's the key, that I include them in it. You know, when I've seen the but picture. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, there's moments where I just want to throw everything down and run away and say, I can't do this. Go yodeling into the hills. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I must say, uh, I couldn't have done it without a good partner. I guess I, I'm leaving out the biggest chunk here, guys, that I, you know, the father of my kids is the most supportive uh, partner I could have ever had in starting all the things I started. Yeah, putting, putting yourself in that position both with who you're with, who your friends are, who, who, you're, who you're around you in your co-working space. Like some of that is get, get all of those pieces in order before you take that leap because that's the stuff you're really going to lean against. All right, we're gonna question here, and then I'm gonna take one, two, three, and we'll make them really quick because we're at 10:20. All right. So I have to say real quickly, I used to do an email newsletter with Mailchimp, and now that I don't do it anymore, every time I get on my computer, my daughter's like, "Where's the monkey?" Oh, okay. <laughs> where's God <laughs> bless Mailchimp? Where, where's the monkey? Yeah. But what I wanted to ask you is, how do you conceive of like the creative world? Like you keep talking about the creative world, but I feel like there's such divisions between like designers, writers, media, literature. So like, how do you think about it? Like when you're, when you're thinking of planning an event, when you're writing for the creative world, like who are these people to you? Who is the creative world to you? I mean, see, this is the whole purpose of Creative Mornings is to break down the barriers. I don't want to just hang out with graphic designers. That's just boring. I, the, the purpose of Creative Mornings was to be A, welcoming anyone that considers themselves creative and be breaking down the barriers between the photographers and the developers and the marketing people. And, and when you get them all in a room, it's the same concept as my co-working space. Hello? You're, you're good. Okay. Um, it's, the beauty happens when you put the different traits of creative types on, on, on the one roof. So when I, and also when I write on my blog, there's a lot of people that read my blog that are not in traditionally creative fields. And they oftentimes email me directly and they say, I feel like a fraud. I was like, no, you are obviously into this and you're inspired by it. So you are a creative person. Our, our mission statement of Creative Morning starts out with everyone is creative and ends with everyone is welcome. I'm just thinking, thank God Cameron's not answering those emails because the person would probably get something really absurd that would upset yes. them. All right, one, two, and then I had one more over here. Okay. started on a track of, of building a business or thinking about the idea but then decided not to follow through and you've had a lot of successes so what's maybe you could talk about an example of that or like how you decided that this is the thing I'm going to dig in on and this is maybe the thing I'm going to let go. So with your your whole approach to building a business have there been ones where you've said no I'm, I just need to show I'm, I'm, I could complain about this so but I don't want to turn it into a business. Oh yeah that's I have them all the time. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, don't, I mean, I have ideas all the time, but they're not ideas that would keep the fire going for years. Does that make sense? I would be excited about it. Let's say I had an idea for a pin business. That would keep me excited for a little bit, but then I'd be pinned out, right? <laughs> um, 
So for example, with Creative Mornings, I just knew I had that idea and I am solving so many things that are so inherently part of what I believe in that I will never lose steam around it. So I think that's probably what you have to, I mean, I just saw on my Facebook today, Steve Jobs always talks about what differentiates the successful entrepreneurs from the non-successful ones is like, the successful ones, they're just, it keeps you awake. The thing you want to solve or build is so in you that you cannot not do it. So whatever idea you have, you have to really test yourself. And that's why I think when you start out in labor of love, I'm repeating myself, and you keep at it, then it's probably a sign for, you know what, maybe I have the stamina to actually turn this into a business because I've been doing this for two years and I still love it, right? Does that answer your question? Yeah. That's great. Um, just to refresh my memory, Creative Mornings website is just Creative, creative Morning. Creative Morning or Creative Mornings? It's plural. Plural. CreativeMornings.com. Dot, dot com. Um, and uh, no, I know I've said this to you in the past because when things get really... Um, Busy and sold out. Uh, is there a place to sign up to volunteer? Because I know you know you are a volunteer organization. Is a place for people to volunteer for events. Because heck, sometimes that's the way to get in. <laughs> yeah. So, but getting chances are when you get on the wait list right after RSVP opens, you you're most likely going to get in. By the way. Yeah. Um, also, when you when you start to bribe me on Twitter, oftentimes you get in as well. <laughs> <laughs> now you know the secrets. All right. Question right here. So my question is about. That could be expensive, especially for someone who doesn't necessarily have the resources to put into what is initially a labor of love and down the road can become a business. So what are what is some advice or some things that you did to kind of support that labor of love and at the same time be able to, you know, have a salary and your family and cover expenses in your daily life? So how how can you how can you fund a labor of love? Were you still creating when you started your business? Were you still creating websites and keeping a few clients yeah. like the MoMA? Yeah, I just I mean, I kept working and running Creative Mornings and running To Do. Like, I just, I made sure I still have my sources of revenue, right? Um, I never just dropped everything saying, I'm just making Creative Mornings happen right now, because I knew I'm not going to make money for years and years and years. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I just started paying myself a, a humble salary a year and a half ago. We're eight years old now, right? But again, it didn't matter. It was not about the money, but I mean, what I got out of it, and that's the thing that I oftentimes, sometimes people forget is that the connections I made out of this, the credibility I got out of it, the, the you know, you, you are being rewarded oftentimes in other ways that are not necessarily financial. And just pay attention to those rewards of the labors of love that you're building. No, and, it's in, and those kind of rewards that lead to more of the clients that you're like, yeah, I've, I've got to do some, you know, graphic design work. I can now do it for companies that I want to do it for because mm -hmm. those are the ones also coming out and seeing and believing everything else that you're doing. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. So, oh, on, on Twitter, you're at, at Swiss Mess. I am Swiss Mess. No, no hyphen. No hyphen on Twitter. Um, and uh, Creative Mornings, go and sign up. Um, creative Morning on Twitter. Cre creative Morning on Twitter, but creativemornings.com. Yeah. Um, and uh, get on that community. What else should we know? Anything else coming up that we should know about? Oh, I just launched Santa Tatley, which by the way are the bomb. You not launched what? Uh, we sent it, uh, we, we launched scented temporary tattoos as the fir first ones we've done that. They're amazing. Oh, yeah.
Oh. So, little plug at the end. Gotta love that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Broad Mic. We welcome your feedback. Find us on Facebook, where you will have show notes and additional references for a deeper dive into today's topic. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Please review our podcast on iTunes, which will help other listeners discover BroadMic and grow the BroadMic community. BroadMic is produced by Christy Mirabel with editing by John Marshall Media. Our executive producer is Sarah Weinheimer. Think Broad.